Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, and today we're presenting our final episode in a series on sustainability strategies of the future. Our guest throughout this series, and again today, is Adam McMillan, IMEG's Director of Sustainability. Rounding out our cast is my co-host, Mike Lawless, IMEG Director of Innovation. Mike, ready to bring this series across the finish line? Yeah, Joe, you know, glad to be here again, excited to kind of build upon these these discussions we've already had with Adam and really wrap a lot of those things together and provide a, a, a few actions you can take as you think about how to start decarbonizing your building. So Adam, you want to kick us off with, with your thoughts? Yeah, thanks guys. And, you know, I think to kick this off, I, there's a lot of discussion today about decarbonizing this, this push to make sure we all electrify our buildings because our grid will get cleaner in the future and a lot of the things we've talked about and that's all great and some people are jumping on they're all in but there's a lot of us that are like wait what does this mean this is a big change how do i wade into this without a lot of risk so what we thought we'd summarize these are five things you can do each of these five today they don't cost a lot of money and they're going to get make sure your building is ready whether it's a new building or even an existing building that's undergoing a major renovation so with that in mind adam what's the first step in the process yeah, so our first step is just to make sure that we start to monitor hourly building energy data, especially electricity data. Um, I think back on my career and thinking about energy analysis, you know, we spent the last 20 years think, worried about the KWH. The next 20 years plus is going to be all about the KW, managing our peak loads, especially if we electrify. And if there's no data for it, it's going to be really hard. So simply, if you can do nothing else, getting a whole building electricity data on an hourly basis is going to let anyone be ready for those next steps down the road. We had one client, for example, that wanted to go from 5% net zero for their whole campus to 50, 60%. And they had monitored every building and that allowed us to jump right in and chart the best path for them to go um, to low carbon. And Adam, you know, on the hourly data side of things, I mean, you out of a building automation system, you can get data every minute, you can get data every day, you can get utility bills. And I guess just on the hourly data, that that really helps, it, it helps you catch the peaks, right? So you can really start to, to understand the, the peaks and that goes to that that rate structure around peak KW, is that is that the, the plan? Yeah, we talked about this shift in utility companies, they're gonna start charging for demand versus consumption. And our utility bills gather only consumption, we can't act on that. The future, we're going to, have to act on KW, so we have to know how this this building is behaving, and the only way to get at that is that hourly data. So utilities can provide that in some cases if you ask, and they have it available, or you just put on a meter at your building and just start recording that data. You may not know why you need it today, but five years from now, you're going to know why you wanted it, and it's not that expensive to do. Right. So we've we've got the hourly data, and now really you start to look at you know what other what other things can you do do in your building? And I think Adam, the next the next step we had listed was you know moderate your water temperatures to really help with with your energy consumption. Yeah, so a big thing with if we're going to electrify buildings, we have to be able to produce heating water, and in a lot of cases using heat from the air. So these air source heat pumps we've talked about before, where in a cold day we're getting heat out of the air to make hot water, and that technology today is limited to about 130 degrees, 140 degrees. Um, it'll get better over time, but 
you know, if, unless you need steam for process or you need really hot, temp, hot, hot water temperatures for process, you got to get this building set up for low hot water temperatures. That's a big miss in design today that 20 years from now, you're not going to have enough copper in the building to be able to drop your water temperature and use these new technologies. So as a design rule or as an owner, just say, look, I want low temperature hot water because at some point I want to electrify. Right. And I think, you know, one of the things we've seen in some municipalities is, you know, they have gone to all electric. And if you have a gas boiler and you're ready to replace it, you're replacing it with a heat pump and it becomes really important how well that, that heat pump can work. So I think, Adam, if you're in an existing building, one of the things to, to think about is how do you test your system to see how it see how and when it can operate at those mo more moderate and lower hot water temperatures. Yeah, and part of this is a hybrid, right? So in cold climates and, and even the heat pump technology can't go all the way. So there is this boiler hybrid in there. Um, and if, if you have an existing building, maybe it will always need some time of hot water. But if you're doing a renovation, if you're ever putting in new air handling units or new coils, you just got to think about low water temperature because that's that's going to be the future. We don't need to, you know, in the old extra G equation, you, you don't need to go that hot. It's just more energy you got to create. So we got to we got to keep that down. And it's just comfort cooling. It's not like or comfort heating. It's not like we're, you know, building rockets with this stuff. Right. Right. And, it, and that goes that kind of goes right into step three. And it has to do with how do you compressorize some some portion of your building load with, with heat pumps that that these two things go together but they're kind of two different steps. Yeah, if you if you do, if you mandate number three, you will get number two because the only way to design it with a compressor, it requires lower hot water temperature. So it simply won't work. So it's actually kind of a cheat if you do that. Um, and the second part of that is if, if they, again, today you want to use chiller and boiler, put a water to water heat pump in the middle, it's going to force you through that process. And then over time, you've already set up the building to be able to do what it needs to do. And then in the future, as you take a chiller or a boiler offline, you're just gonna replace it with another heat pump. So you're kind of setting yourself up to think about how it goes together and plan for that future without the boiler by having just some percentage, even 20%, even 10% of your building, electrifying some portion of the heat, usually with a water to water heat pump. And, and that's for just talking about more complex institutional buildings. I mean, there's a lot of applications for VRF and other unitary equipment that doesn't require hot water, um, but we're trying to touch these buildings, these, these complex buildings that people think, well, we can't electrify a hospital today. Uh, it's too complex, but th these are steps for buildings like that to start down that path. I, I think the thing too, to, to keep in mind and just to, to stress, especially in colder climates is even if you're in an existing building, you know, there's going to be a portion of the, the year that's warm or mild where lower hot water temperatures even in your existing facility could could help could be able to operate it and then you could you know when adam talks about 10 to 20 percent 30 percent that's how you can achieve at least a portion of your heating through through heat pump and, and lower you know distributed hot water temperatures for heating yeah and in, in our storage uh segment or podcast on that kind of dove into that topic a little bit more there's a ton of hours of the year that you're just fine and it's, it's way better to be doing it with electric-based heat. Right. And the, the whole reason, kind of the step four, is, is sort of the reason why we're looking at, well, how do you electrify your, your heating load? And it has to do with, the you know, as Adam mentioned earlier, the grid is going to get cleaner with, with PV. Um, 
but also, you know, on your building, you know, solar and, and other infrastructure, adding that to your project is, is kind of the next step for the things you can, you can do to decarbonize your, your building. Yeah. If you're a designer listening, the number four, don't get egg on your face, right? So if you set up a whole brand new building and it can't hold physically hold PV panels on the roof because that's the way the structure was designed, then you're going to get you're going to get a phone call about 10 years from now. Why wouldn't you do that? Because increasing the size of the steel is not a big deal um, to do that. Running conduit up through the core of the building so you can pull some wires later. This is super easy stuff. And the solar is going to keep getting cheaper. I mean, this latest infrastructure bill is talking about like getting rid of the tax rebate or tax um, incentives on solar and giving you a cash buyout. So the federal government is going to give you 26% 26 cash to put solar on your roof. There's going to be solar on every roof in the country. And if we're putting up new buildings today that can't hold it, that's kind of an issue. Um, And then the EV side of things, you know, we've seen cities now saying 10% of parking up to 10% now requires the, the infrastructure. I mean, Ford is making, you know, $40,000 trucks that are all EV ready. And you look at that market, it's going to soar. And now you're, again, putting in a brand new building and not running conduits to pull wires in the future. It just seems super short-sighted. So I think this is getting that ready. And even if, again, if you can't do 100% of your energy on site, why not 20%? Why not 30%? You're going to get a 15, 20% ROI. It's just a good investment in the future. So we want to get these buildings ready for that today. Right. And you know, as, as we've talked about things through this, this, this process, this discussion, I mean, the first four items have a lot to do with operating carbon and step five has to do with that embodied carbon, which is going to become more and more important as the, the operating carbon goes down with, with renewables and other efficient systems. Yeah. And this one is, is new. And what's kind of interesting about this one, it's just, it's starting as if you're an owner, to just realize that I can ask for efficient building and I can ask for lower embodied carbon. And I'll give you just an analogy. I have a have a, a friend that um, is starting a business called Accountable. And what they're looking to do is actually label products in the store based on their carbon or based on their social their footprint. And if you look about, you think about you're gonna go buy, I don't know, a can of soup and you have three options of the same, you know, beef soup or, oh, it shouldn't be beef, it should be bean soup. Um, and you can look at the label and say, well, this is the one that's the lowest carbon and whatever, then you make that buying decision. And it's a can of soup. And here we've got a whole building with all this infrastructure and all this carbon. And we need to start thinking about how can we just reduce some of it? And a lot of it's easy. We've talked about some of them like half inch less concrete, smarter steel, all these different things. Um, so this might feel like a big hill to climb. But from what this step, all it's saying at this point is saying in your next project, say, hey, we, we want to know more about this embodied carbon piece. Can your project include some information about how you're doing that with the structure or how you're doing it with the interior finishes or some part of the business you care about? Think about that building and what you can what you can start with, because this is going to be standard practice and we need to just start thinking and having conversations about it. I think. You know, Adam, those, those are those first five steps. But just as we, as I think back on the, the discussions we've had, this whole thought that carbon is going to impact your business, whatever business you're in, and how you deal with that and, and report that. I mean, you're, you're anymore, you look to book an airline ticket and they're telling you, hey, my, this, this, this flight has, you know, X percent less than, than the baseline. You know, this is going to be an area of competition, an area that's going to impact a, a lot of things. So that's just a, been a common thread, I think, throughout this discussion. And Adam, I guess I'll 
give you an opportunity to kind of wrap wrap things up. And thanks for you know thanks for joining us for this six part series. Yeah, you know I think it's just interesting. I've never seen such an acceleration in the discussion around carbon as I have the last twelve to eighteen months. And I think it's interesting. There's a lot of different pieces to all of it. Um, we've talked about a lot of technologies and things, but it is all mapping back to a single metric that is that is carbon. And what's even more is, you know, the investment community is using that language and it's reporting out to see investments in buying companies and the business going forward is going to rely on carbon. And so it can be seen as a huge opportunity to reduce carbon and save the planet. And it can also be seen as a way just Carbon is a liability on your books. So how do we reduce it? So our goal has really been, let's kind of pick apart the industry in different areas and start to get people comfortable going down this path. Cause I think there's a, there's a ton of options. So um, I could talk about this for another six parts, um, but I don't know if you'll let me, but <laughs> it's been a lot of fun to, to go through and, and just kind of talk about where everything's going. It's just an exciting time to be in the industry. I'm just so thankful to be, um, at this place in my career and, and all of our careers to be able to really tackle this huge issue. Adam, we really appreciate you guiding us through this series, which, as you just said, all leads back to a growing focus on carbon. To that point, listeners should check out the new MEP 2040 challenge, which Adam helped create along with the Carbon Leadership Forum, as well as sustainability leaders from across the country. To learn more, visit carbonleadershipforum.org slash MEP2040. We hope our listeners enjoyed today's episode and all others that we produced in 2021. If you missed any, just search The Future Built Smarter on your podcast app or visit imegcorp.com slash resources. We'll be back in 2022 to cover a new group of future-focused topics in the AEC industry. And until then, from all of us at IMEG, Thanks for listening and take care. Mm -hmm.